Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlandson. I'm joined this morning by Matt Kendrick. It's uh, VAR 1, Aston Villa 0 in the FA Cup third round. We'll talk about that uh, this morning. The main conversation is going to be about VAR, I would expect. But before we get into that, pretty boring conversation to be honest, because I'm sick of having it. Matt, how are you? You okay? I'm all right, yeah. I'm um, come to terms with the fact that it's another year before I see me babies lift the uh, lift the FA Cup at Wembley. But you know, give us all a reason to try and stay alive for another year, don't you? <laughs> God, that's grim, <laughs> isn't it? Um, it was always the plan to film this podcast on, on the Tuesday morning, anyway, rather than late last night. Um, I thought it might give us a chance to calm down as well, given the way that the match went itself. Uh, I was fuming last night. I don't usually let the the football affect my actual life too much in terms of results and stuff. It, it put me in a bad mood last night, so I'm glad we weren't doing it. Uh, have you had a chance to, to calm down since then, or do you still feel aggrieved at, at what happened? I don't know. I've got a few more miles on the clock than you have, not I? So, it's, you know, did we expect anything different? You know, probably expected a dodgy penalty to be given against us instead, didn't we? Um, it's got in, isn't it? Because I know Man United aren't anywhere near the force that they've been on the numerous occasions that have knocked us out of the FA Cup in the past. But we went there and, you know, played really, really well. You know, dominated mm. the game, created chances. You know, a, a biggest disappointment for me, other than the, the controversial um, things that went against us, was the the way we switched off for the goal, to be honest. Um, yeah. But again, we responded. We responded well to that. We didn't didn't let it affect us. Um, but you just know that it's going to be it's going to be a, a, a sting in the tail. Don't don't say there's a big generation gap between us, Dan, because you, you you're not that young, and I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> but the FA Cup it means a lot. You know, there's only there's only two two cups. You know, it's hope it's not the case in five years' time. But currently, there's only two there's only two trophies really that we can start the season with a chance yeah. of winning. Um, and, and it annoys me. Slim. <laughs> well, it annoys me because you know I was I grew up as a blinkered child, thinking that Villa won things quite regularly, and mm. for it to roll on for another year. I'm not saying that even if we'd have beaten, beaten Man United, knowing us, we'd have probably come unstuck and lost over the Middlesbrough in the next game. <laughs> but to not have that opportunity to crack on and put together a, a strong cup run and to, you know, to really crank up the feel good factor at the club for reasons that weren't necessarily our fault. Listen, we conceded a goal yeah, <laughs> and we didn't score a goal. So it's our fault in that sense. But it just seems that when there's other forces at play, it's just annoying, isn't it? I saw somebody on Twitter comment, a journalist or a reporter from from somewhere else, saying something like, "You know, Gerard's on a, on a losing streak now as a manager, just in the sense that he's lost more games now at Villa than he's won. You know, he's losing against Brentford, losing against Man United. It's, it's not always going to be... You know, playing sailing isn't an easy and comfortable, but 
like you said, those things aren't helped when you're also going up against things like that VAR decision last night. And I didn't want to get onto it too early. I do want to try and go through some other points in the in the game first. Team news, even one of the criticisms that Dean Smith had is, is maybe not taking the, the early stages of the FA Cup that seriously. So to go out with a, a pretty much full strength side and against a Man United side that, that you can get at and that they are beatable. But we're still missing something that's stopping me being able to say, yes, Villa are a good side. It's just We're not quite there. The team selection was, you know, I think I heard, heard Gerard speaking pre-match saying, we're not involved in Europe. We've got one game a week. We've got a yeah. squad that should be big enough to cope with one game a week, albeit with with some of the young, youngsters supplementing the squad. I was delighted, delighted that he that he went strong with it. To me, and again, it's using my old man, my old man hat on. Why is the FA Cup any different than the the, the Premier League in terms of priority? I know why, because the Premier League worth worth bundles more more cash. Yeah. But I was really pleased that he that he went strong, and that was evidenced by the performance that that Villa were able to field a team that played better than Man United on on the night. Um, I don't think there's. I don't think there's that much wrong, you know. No, but we wouldn't even be talking about VAR if Villa could could take their chances better and, and defend that that chance. Man United had better. But we shouldn't. That VAR shouldn't even be a consideration if Villa if Villa played very well. That shouldn't be a factor. But it is. Yeah, it is. But the Ollie Watkins of old that does brilliantly and hits the woodwork um, came came back to haunt us. We've still got the that issue of can Mings and Watkins play together. Um, which still Did you just said Mings and Watkins, by the way. Mings, Mings, Watkins, Ings, Ings, <laughs> Ings and Watkins. That's just my brummy rhyming slang. <laughs> um, yeah, can can Ings and Watkins? I've been out of practice. I'm a bit rusty. I've not I've not done one of those for a few weeks. Is that that dilemma to still sort out, which threatens to be a, a you know a, a Gerard Lampard uh, debate? <laughs> can you know threatens to be the, the new version of that? Uh, I don't think it's going to be an issue if we can keep the little Brazilian magician fit um, mm. when he arrives on the on the, the team. So I don't think there the, the will be a situation where we'll have to com- accommodate both in the team at, at one time. But this, 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 I think there's a lot more positives than than negatives from from the last. Yeah. I mean, how long how long Gerard been there now? I've lost track. Six weeks. I think it, yeah, months. eight weeks. I think. I think the turnaround is magnificent. Uh, and I know we went there yeah. to Old Trafford and we did win la- last time in the in the league under under Dean Smith. Um, but you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably take people's advice on this. I, I think the performance level was 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 just as strong last night. If you know, if, if not better, in terms of the control that Villa were able to exert on the game. Yeah, coming up against Man United, like you, we, we can all preface that by saying they're not the Man United of old, but it's still Manchester United with with, with the money they've spent should be doing better than they are. There was the McGinn effort, the Cash had that chance as well. The Watkins one you just mentioned, but they're missed chances in a defeat now, aren't they? So be better, <laughs> be more clinical. That's what they've got to work on. That's the thing letting us down at the moment. We're, we get in these positions to make the chances, but we should be two or three up in that game. And VAR is not a factor then. Yeah, but it'll come. I'm, I'm, I'm confident it'll, be, it'll come because Gerard doesn't settle for, for anything less than, you know, say absolute perfection. You're not probably going to get absolute perfection um, with Aston Villa's squad. You're not going to get absolute perfection with any any squad. But he'll he'll know that VAR has been a major factor in Villa losing that game. But he, he will also know that the way that the, the goal was defended or not defended was nowhere near good enough. Yeah. The way that if Villa are, are having that much of the ball and are, are creating chances with it, they, they, they've got to be better. So he'll work on those things. You know, he's a manager who, who won't settle for anything anything less than, 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 than Villa 
been at their absolute optimum. Am I being naive? I think we can go and win on Saturday. I think we can beat them. I think they'll be that. I think they'll be that sense of injustice. I think they'll be the excitement if, if Coutinho flies through all his his tests and his his medical bits and bobs uh, over the next couple of days. There'll be a real buzz and a real excitement about that. Um, and Man- and United will know that they've that they've got away with one. I think there. Mm. So, as much as I'd like to have beat Man United and gone marching into the next round of the cup, I think it can be a springboard to to kickstart part two of the, the 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 Gerard Revolution, if you like. So, I'm not too disheartened by it because I think there was enough there to to give us give us lots of encouragement. I don't think there'll be. I don't. I certainly don't think there was a hangover from the Brentford game last night. No, um, we did play well. I, my, I just can't. I can't get on board with Santa Villa played very well because we didn't. We didn't take our chances. Yeah, it's very well. We you win the game, and, and yeah, Vaz, Vaz just academic. But um, yeah, but it's still it's still a very positive performance in terms of the chances created. We just need that 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 little bit of clinical cutting edge. That's what we got to work on, and, and that only takes time. Yeah, I think it, I think it'll come. I think we're creating chances. I think we've seen we've seen better signs from from Buendia. I mean, I don't think Jacob Ramsey was quite at his best last night, but I still think. He's 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 a Premier League player now. You know, I don't yeah. think he's an academy kid anymore. He's a, he's a Premier League player. I think we played very well, despite some of our midfield. You know, I don't think our midfield was 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 at its best last night. Uh, I think it will turn. I think it it's interesting to me. Gerard to me seems like a man in a hurry. Not not that he not that he won't give people chance chance to to impress him, but just that. You know, even even if what he's doing now, even if Coutinho and any other signings that he's making, even if they only get us up another two places higher in the table, and it means that we finish ninth rather than eleventh or eighth rather than tenth, that he wants it. He wants those, you know, those marginal gains. He wants them to 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 convince himself, to convince his staff, to convince his players, can be convince his bosses and the fan base that you know we're going places. Um, yeah. And I like that, you know. I, I like the fact that I don't know. It's, it's almost like a kind of a really proactive consolidation. I don't know if, whether things two exi- exist together. Do you know what I mean? But it's yeah, proactive okay, consolidation. I know where we're at, but even if we only get that little bit higher, we're going to do it by doing things exactly the right way. Um, I don't know. Perhaps I'm, uh, I might have surprised you with my positivity. Um, yeah, the FA Cup's massive for me. It really is. I really, really love us to to go. And I, I'm not one of the ones who was lucky enough to see us win the league or win the um, win the European Cup. So there's a, there's a lot of people kind of a little bit older than me. The FA Cup is the final. You know, it's the holy grail. Mm-hmm. It's the final one that they haven't seen us win. Uh, but realistically, I don't see us winning the the, the league or the or the um, the European Cup anytime soon. The FA Cup shouldn't be beyond us. I've seen us in two finals. Yeah, it's not it's not an impossible task, is it, to win seven or six or seven one-off games? I mean, I should, probably shouldn't know how many games it is, to be honest. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. In terms of positivity, positivity and negativity, you have surprised me a little bit. I thought you'd be a, a little bit more kind of disheartened with it. I wanted to raise a couple of comments to kind of counter your positivity now, I guess. Sean says, going forward and creating chances, we were good, but we need a finisher to get the goals, which sounds bizarre with Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins playing on the same side that we don't have a finisher, but... We do have a finisher. We've got, we've got, <laughs> we've got Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins. Yeah, but they didn't put the ball in the back of the net, did they? So. Yeah. What you, what do you, what do you do? You give up on them and you no, sign no, another no, one. No, I'm not saying that. Well, we, well, no, yeah, that's, we, we don't need a finisher. We need our finishers to start finishing. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I mean? That's, 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 yeah. that's, that's splitting hairs. I don't. I don't know what. What was the guy? I don't know what the guy who raised, raised the, the, uh, the. Sean said that. I don't know what Sean. T- I don't disagree that that we're creating chances and we need we need someone to stick them away. I would argue that we've got the people within our ranks to stick them away. They need to find their clinical edge rather than be replaced, which I think that's a fair point. Replacing yeah. Ings or Watkins with another striker, which is going to cost you, again, what, 25, 30 million to, yeah. to get somebody in as a proven finisher doesn't seem realistic. But yeah, that's probably a fair point. Richard says, Ramsey's a good player, but to be honest, I'll play Sanson ahead of him integrate Ramsey slowly. <laughs> I remember saying at the start of the season when Ramsey was playing, I didn't expect him to play you know, pretty much every game in the Premier League, I thought we'd we'd sign a midfielder or, or we'd be kind of phased out and he was doing a job, you know, when we needed him to. But he, he has improved a lot in, in, in the last six months or so. Sometimes I'm proven, isn't he? I don't, I don't really know what it's he brings to we're saying that this, um, this, this, this new signing with a, you know, a, a fair, strong, fairly strong body of evidence in France under him. Yeah, but I mean, for us, I mean, No, yeah. but you, you're right. You're right, he is. And I, I don't know, I don't know whether Sanson could do the role that, that Ramsey's doing at the moment. And I know mm-hmm. Ramsey's going to dip and he's going to be highs and lows. I still think he's the best bet for in there. I don't he's know. He's reliable, to be honest, at the moment. Sanson is a, a walking injury, isn't he? To, not to kind of disrespect him too much, but he gets in the side and gets injured again. Ramsey's been there and stayed fit and, and played well, so keeps the shirt. Well, yeah. And I know there's probably a bit of an obvious conclusion to jump to here, but I'd probably bow to the manager. Well, I'd bow to the manager on, all, on, on most, <laughs> most stroke all decisions, but I'd certainly bow to him on this one. There's a, a couple of uh, anti-Tara Mings comments, uh, as um, every podcast we do. Jordan says Mings need to be replaced badly. He's an absolute no-man's land. I'd be replacing badly. I'd be placing well if you're going to replace him. <laughs> yeah. He's an absolute no-man's land for the goal and he's guaranteed to slip up every game. There's somebody else who says, yet again, Villani, uh, a centre-half. Mings is useless as a defender and a captain. Uh, harsh or fair, Matthew Kendrick? Well, you know my feelings about Mings I think he's I think he's a, a really really important leader uh, I think he does make mistakes but I think his mistakes get highlighted get highlighted more by the Villa fan base than they do by anybody externally which I find find bizarre really um, be interesting if people want to dig out their VHS videos and their um, the DVDs from, from the loft of previous seasons uh, and the goals that have been scored against Aston Villa and if you can find me an immaculate centre-half Amidst all of those, even in vintage seasons, who doesn't make a mistake, then uh, and I include who uh, are Paul McGod. Um, <laughs> I, can, I can already imagine the comments now. You just comparing. I'm not comparing to that. I'm saying everybody makes mistakes. Do you know what I mean? Tyron Mings is playing in a in a defence in the top half. Is it, what, are we in the top half of the Premier League? Defenders make mistakes. I don't think he makes any more mistakes than anybody else. I think it's fair to question whether you know, he's got too many mistakes in him and whether he, whether he can be upgraded in time. But like we've said before, you've got to spend a, a proven centre-back to come in. Premier League quality is going to be 30, 40 million or whatever to play next to concert. If that's a deal that Villa do in the summer, that's absolutely fine, whatever. Questioning it as a captain is harsh. I, I don't think there's a better leader. In the in the dressing room, and in, in terms of what he offers, representing Aston Villa off the pitch and stuff, questioning him as a captain is harsh. As a player, and what he offers to the to the side, if you don't like him, that's that's fair enough. But but do you want to play Courtney Horse there then for the rest of the season? Is he better? I don't think so. I think the thing is as well, your captain needs to be available every week. And, and Tyra Mings, considering he's a warrior, you know, and considering the injury history he arrived with Villa at having you know, kind of not being able to make his mark at, at, at Bournemouth. He's, I'm not saying just making him available every week. <laughs> I'm not saying his availability makes him makes him a shoe-in for the captaincy. But he is there. 
he's every week. He's there every week. He, he, he other than the previous week, he was suspended. He, <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he, he tries to learn. He tries to get better. He tries to be brave on the ball when he, when he needs to be. Perhaps sometimes we say he's a little bit brave on the ball, but you know, you know that Villa. I get on my high horse a little bit with this because it, it does, it does annoy me because I, I think I'm not. Perhaps, perhaps I, I lean lean too much towards being defensive of him, but I think some people mm. lean too much towards being being critical of him more than any any other player in the team. But it um it just frustrates me. It just frustrates me. Peter Thomas has, has left a long message. So I'm going to read it all out. He says, "What is the discerning difference between Gerrard's Villa and Smith's Villa? We've played well in patches under both, and our XG is very similar. In truth, we look what we were—an average team that over relied on Grealish. What did we create last night? Very little, in all honesty. We rushed it in the final third and looked short in quality. I thought that was quite a harsh comment. I think there is a clear difference between the two sides. The intensity seems more under Gerrard. We're, we're playing this narrower system. We do create more chances. I think I've got not got any stats in front of me, but." just from watching the games it feels like we're, we're creating more the only thing that's letting us down at the moment is from a defensive point of view being a little bit sloppy and being a little bit too easy to score again and going forward we get in these positions but we can't finish it <laughs> if we could finish better and, and defend better we'd be a good side it's a very narrow sample but I don't think our chance creation was an issue last night was it we stuck the ball in the net twice we hit the crossbar there were another two or three there or thereabouts, to quote Steve Bruce, um, which which you mentioned where, where we came close. I think it's harsh to say, well, what has changed is there's not an over-reliance on one player. It feels like we can threaten from different from different areas of the pitch. Mm. Um, I think that's a bit of a harsh comment to us. John just also said there that we, we couldn't string a pass together under Smith. Yeah, passing far improved under Gerard as well. Yeah, I think I think this is, I don't think it's like night and day. I don't think we're a million miles away under Smith. I just think we got got stuck in a rut. I was very very cynical about the change being made. You know, in hindsight, I'd hold my hands up and I'll say that you know the the instant impact that that Gerard's had. Um, Yes, it probably sounds a bit like showbiz, but the the fact that, that Villa have been able to attract a player of the calibre of, of, of Coutinho suggests that over a very, very small body of evidence over the last six or seven weeks, the decision was right. Um, probably need two years, three years of, of Gerard at the helm before we uh, we can we can properly draw our conclusions from that. I think we're more competitive. I think if you look at the the stats, and that's why we, we needed probably Pat or John or James on rather than me, who doesn't doesn't study the stats so much. But some of the bits that I saw saw last night, it was just kind of marginal gains, like you know, pass completion. Uh, I don't really, I don't, I don't understand xG. So you need to get one of the kids on. Uh, but what did we? Didn't we have sixty percent of the ball last night? Yeah, I think so. There's a there's a comment here from Dez who pretty much sums it up. I don't think we need to say much more. Villa played better last night against United than they did in October when we won the game. We created more chances and we're unlucky. Villa are a better team now and are improving, which is yeah. I think that's the the main point, isn't it? Patience and over the course of a season, Gerrard's Villa would do better than Smith's Villa. I would say based on previous results we've mentioned VAR in passing a few times but we haven't actually discussed the incident and I thought this whole podcast would be about that and the ins and outs of the rules and the laws and the, and the comments that have come afterwards but I don't know if I'm going to be bothered to be honest but we will talk about it and see how long it takes for us to, to wrap it all up and get our heads around it uh, the VAR call then checking for offside first of all I think on on where's ends. that information come from because obviously the, the TV producers have been given. They've must have been the given. Stadium, I think it says possible offside. VAR right. checking possible offside. So I'm pretty sure 
is that the fourth official that that information comes via? I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of how it actually gets across of what they're checking, but I'm pretty sure it was said that they were checking offside first. So, so it, it probably fits into what what the angry Villa narrative was on social media last night that they were looking for some reason to disallow that goal because if it, if it's clearly just an offside check, then it's done, it's done done and dusted in 15, 30 seconds. And the referee is just told that you know he doesn't need to get involved in a monitor because the lines will be drawn and, and that's done. Now, the frustrating thing for me was, I suppose, how long it took, to be honest, because we've seen mm-hmm. VAR decisions in the past that are just done and dusted within seconds. Check for handball, didn't find it. Yeah, crap! We're running out of ideas here. Oh, let's let's see if we can do that. Where um, where Jacob Ramsey gets 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 ploughed into? I, th- I think the problem is the again, it's the implementation of the laws and stuff, isn't it? And and the use of the technology rather than the actual technology itself. Um, it should be that if they go right, there's a, there's a potentially problem here. We're going to go to the assistant referee to check for the offside. They should be able to, allowed to check for offside, and that's it. And yeah. once the offside calls been made, they go right. Well, he wasn't offside. Goal given. You can't yeah. then rewind and go. Oh, well, there might have been a foul there. And then they go. Oh no, no foul there. Well, could we, do we just keep rewinding then? Well, do we fun. keep going back and back until we find something? Uh, Sean here just says they checked for Ings offside, then handball from Ings and took it back to the foul. Now, when they're checking for the offside, if you can, if you're watching that same replay over and over, and then think, oh, he, he might have handballed that there. I can understand that of going, well, that's literally in the same motion of yeah. if he's touched it, it's whether it's his hand or his thigh. So you have to kind of rule on, on handball as well at the same time. I, I can take that to an extent. But rewinding back to the, the previous kind of phase of play to, to spot whether there might might have been a foul or not just seems mental because the referee wasn't wasn't asking to, to have that checked yeah, anyway. The only reason that was checked was for the potential because it got to the AR, around yeah. the six-yard box. It wasn't checked. The other thing, it's so hard to get your head around. I think it's still given as an offside because Ramsey was offside for the foul, so it's not like they've given the VAR for a foul because I don't even know whether they can do that. It's that Ramsey was offside when it was taken, comes in to interfere with Cavani, and he's he he makes the foul, but it's offside because it, they were checking for offside, so Ramsey was offside, and that's the way they get round it, I think. But are we going to like look at every block in the in the box now from a set piece? Every every little shirt tug is that going to get stopped? That, that kind of stuff happens in every set piece in every game. And Cavani's ran into Ramsey anyway. Ramsey hasn't gone out and fouled him or stuck a leg out. He just stood his ground and he's running into him. That happens in every set piece all the time. I think one of my biggest frustrations about it is you're play, playing in a competition where it's allowed at some grounds and it's not yeah. at, at other grounds. And to me. And I'm probably stretching this point a little bit to kind of <laughs> serve our Aston Villa interests. How is that even beginning to be fair? Because it's the equivalent of 15 years ago saying, okay, matches, FA Cup ties that are played at a Premier League game will have a referee and get this. They'll have two linesmen. But ones that are ones that are played lower down the pyramid, if they're played League One or below, they're not going to have any linesmen. They're just going to have a referee. Hmm. It's, and I, I know I'm forcing the issue there, but no, that's the it's... point, isn't it? If you, if you, if the level of officiating is so much more sophisticated—probably the wrong word—but you know, so much more in depth in one one game versus another, that 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 blows the integrity of the competition for me. 
Yeah, Alan Shearer said it in the in the post match that uh, I think it was Hull City reference should have had a penalty or something in their game, and if VAR was at that ground, they would have got it and, and potentially would still be in the FA Cup, and they're out now because of that. It shouldn't be in the FA Cup at all because the FA Cup starts at such a low level that you're not going to have the, that technology in in the lower levels. You know, Kiddy exactly, don't have you know, it. Round one. don't have it in their round one preliminary yeah. rounds and stuff. So VAR shouldn't be in that in any round, whether it's Premier League ground or not. That's that's the first instance where where there's been a failing. The, the second instance is the the implementation of it and the usage of it and the understanding of the rules. There's, I think Gary Lineker was reading out a rule that. Ramsey's offside because he comes back in and interferes with playing all these different words and stuff. And it's like, we're just left in the dark as fans to, to just guess at what's happened. Why are we still in 2022 now not hearing what's going on? Somebody sent me a clip last night on social media of a, of a game in Australia and you can hear the referee talking to the VAR and he's saying, oh, you know, let me know when I'm on screen and I'll, I'll put the signal up and I'll go over and yeah. Uh, the, yeah, this has happened or was it this player? And you can hear the conversation. And if we heard that and all the, the decision-making, you could go, it's annoying, but at least we know what's going on. I know what they don't do because it's all probably a bit amdram behind the scenes. I think no, I think if I did do it, it's because it would show up how corrupt the whole thing is. To be honest, corrupt's probably the wrong word. I remember my law and media training. I shouldn't be saying corrupt. Probably, it's probably, incompetent, more biased, whatever the word is. Yeah. Whatever the word you want to use is, you know, incompetent, incompetent, inconsistent, unfair, biased, whatever it is. I mean, I, I remember seeing that clip. I think it's a few seasons ago of John Moss in a Tottenham, potentially Tottenham Liverpool game. It, it does the rounds every so often, and he doesn't know whether to give a penalty or not. And he's speaking to the linesman on the pitch, and he, the linesman saying, "If so and so has touched the ball here, it's a deliberate play, and that means you can give a penalty." And you hear John Moss say something like, "Oh, have you have you got anything on the TV? Can you see it?" And then, like literally a second later, he just goes, oh, "I'm going to give a penalty." And it's like if that's the level of decision making that it's just guesswork. That's why we don't hear it. Because it shows them up to be incompetent. I think it would add an extra level of level of um, interest to the game. You know, there was an experiment years and years ago. David Ellery, an old referee, was mic'd up. Uh, I think it was an Arsenal game against somebody, and it was fascinating. Uh, and like you say, you see the bits from the A League in Australia, and you you can see some of the. You, you can almost see the cogs going into the decision making process. But I think it, it's transparent, isn't it? So it, it brings that kind of reality to you, it you still might not agree with the referee's decision making but at least you understand where they're coming from yeah it's, it's like well showing you work it's on countdown isn't it you yeah, know what I mean it's yeah. all well and good last night for Michael Oliver to spend another 30 seconds to pull Fernandez and Mings over and explain it to them but the, the stadium don't know what's going on the, t- yeah. the TV broadcasters don't know what's going on us at home have seen the same replays but we don't know what conversations have been had for yeah. the four minutes it took to work it out we should be able to hear all of that and then we can decide for ourselves whether we think the refereeing in this country is fair or not. Yeah, you either scrap it or you make it completely transparent. I actually, I would find it, find it quite fascinating knowing, knowing that the kind of, uh, all the uh, money-making schemes within within the Premier League and higher echelons of football, that could probably, you could probably, you could probably put an extra five quid a month on your Sky package if you want access to ref, you know. <laughs> don't give them any ideas. But you, no, but you could, you could probably sell headsets in the ground <laughs> or hire out headsets in the ground so you can listen to it if you if you wanted to, and you could have this this, this transparency. It's interesting what you're saying about. Um, I won't get too deep into the weeds with this, but it's interesting what you're saying about um, Gary Lineker reading out the rule or the interpretation of the rule. We've been we've been um, Aston Villa have a history of being pioneers, don't we? You know, founders of the football league, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Why do we always pioneer these new rules? Remember the one at Man City when when he yeah. was offside, he wasn't offside, and there was there was, was there another one quite recently as well. 
There's another example yeah, where I don't think there was any rules kind of change, but it is the interpretation again of how you understand it, and it's the laws that are wrong. It's it's modern, up to date technology with out of date, old fashioned laws. That's the problem. Yeah. We've now got too much technology and too many replays and too much precision to line up with rules that are made. I don't know, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. I don't know how old these rules are. That's the problem in itself, that things aren't aren't probably up to date. There's too much now that we've got access to, but if it should just be as simple as, right, we are checking for offside and nothing else. If we happen to see a cheeky elbow at the back post, we've just kind of got to ignore it because we've only come into this to look at offside. That's how it should yeah. work. Or you've got 30 seconds. You know, it's supposed to be clear and obvious, isn't it? Three and a half minutes or whatever it was isn't clear and obvious. There's no mistake there. There's no error. So why is it? Why are we looking at it in the first place? It's just so infuriating, isn't it? If if you can't spot what the mistake is in thirty seconds, you know the referees, the referees on pitch decision stands or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you work this out, but it's a mess. They could do that as well. Could make money out of that. They could have like a big countdown clock. Oh, anyway. Um, um, the last two thousand twenty-three, mate. On. It's going to be our year. FA Cup. You heard it. Yeah, here hopefully. First. Yeah, that'd be nice. I'll remember to clip that out next year. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is our next fixture. We can get all this out of the way and a fresh start, play somebody else. It doesn't matter. But, oh, yeah, it's Manchester United again next in like four days' time on Saturday tea time. Philip Coutinho might be available. So a little kind of, I'm going to give you the floor for however long you need, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, whatever it is. Talk to me about Philip Coutinho. Can you believe that he is an Aston Villa player? And a little kind of preview for Manchester United. I need a breather after the VAR rubbish. Well, I've, um, without giving you too many personal details, I've tested positive for the for the, for the the evil COVID over, over Christmas. So it's ruined me Christmas. Uh, but I thought the, the Coutinho thing was me some kind of fever that I was suffering. Uh, I didn't know whether it was, whether it was real, to be honest. Uh, it's a real statement, isn't it? It's a statement that, you know, people, I've heard people say, oh, you know, Dean Smith wouldn't have been able to attract Philip Coutinho to um, to Aston Villa. I don't think many managers would have been able to attract him to to, to their clubs in the Premier League, to be honest. It, it's completely and utterly the Steven Gerrard factor. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited because I think... I think, he's, you know, we know he's gone through a, a little bit of a rut himself but he's still a good age you know he's, he still should be theoretically at his prime um he's back you know in an environment that he knows he's back with you know a mentor i suppose that that he knows and i think even before we think about you know what it can do for the villa in terms of paving the way for future signings and from letting the rest of world football know that that, that villa are a major player again when it comes to to being in for for for, for players of this quality I think what he can do on the football pitch if we get him get him fit and firing um, you know I should imagine I don't know I should imagine he'll, he'll play him off the left with with, with Buendia on the on the right and, and, and Watkins probably going to going to get the nod nod up top I think it's really exciting if we're saying that the only it's those marginal kind of thing differences between us winning games and, and not winning games then I think having a player like that within our ranks can 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 be that difference uh, obviously we need to be better at the back but I think I think we can I think we've got a really really exciting exciting at, uh, attacking lineup now which is stating the obvious I know but if you think about recent years um, very recent years we've signed Borja Baston on deadline day at the end of January few years prior to that, you know, there was a big announcement. The lights are still on at Bodymore Heath um, because we've signed Simon Dawkins. Um, we're in a different league now. 
Um, and I think I think it's a statement of intent that Gerard wants to wants to go go places quickly, and it's a statement of intent that the the, the people around him back him in and, and believe in him to do that. I hope that it's everything we want it to be. <laughs> I'll leave it. I don't want to add a negative note to it because you know that sometimes these things come and kind of kick us in the balls. But I hope it's all that we want it to be. When you said then about it being a you know a, we're in a different league now in terms of signings, I was about to say, oh yeah, literally. And then I remember that Simon Dawkins was a Premier League signing <laughs> all those years ago, which is pathetic, really. Uh, Matt, I think that does us in terms of the post FA Cup um, defeat podcast, and we'll be back again. I don't know whether we're going to do it on Saturday night or. I don't know. This is a conversation with whoever, isn't it? It's a half five kickoff on a Saturday, which makes things a bit awkward. So maybe we'll do it Saturday night, but we'll see how, how things go. Um, but hopefully it's a, a three points for Villa. Yeah, fingers crossed. I think, like I say, I think it should be a cracking atmosphere on Saturday. I think we'll all be feeling aggrieved and wanting to uh, mm. exact some revenge, and we'll all be feeling excited um, about the, the the new new superstar within our ranks. So um, yeah, onwards and upwards, and 2023, our year for the FA Cup. Yeah, a lovely place to end it. Thank you very much for everyone for tuning in and all your comments as usual. And we'll see you again potentially Saturday night. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.